With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts do you love selena like really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined today by Derek Brown and Pat Fitzmorris, Debro and Fitz of Fantasy Pros fame. Just to quickly get the Twitter handles out of the way, Debro is at Debro underscore FFB. Fitz is at Fitz underscore FF. I am at Ryan Warmly. Fitz, it's actually been a little while since you and I have been on the mics together. Obviously, we see each other in the background, day to day, working together, but we haven't been on the mics together in a while. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Ryan. Yeah, we have no uh, Big Ten basketball or football to talk about right now. But uh, yeah, man, it's great to be back on the show with you. Looking forward to talking to you and Debro about wide receivers who are going to be stars this year. Yeah, man, it's the worst time of year because not only is there no football and no fantasy, although you do get the dynasty drafts. And we, of course, just had ours in our work league with the three of us, uh, but also no Big Ten sports. So we'll, we'll get back to that uh, soon enough. Debro, I do... Uh, you know, broadcast with you a little more regularly, but how are you doing? Doing good. I'm just glad uh, that we're limiting the amount of Terp takes that we're going to have on the podcast <laughs> today. So that's always a good starter. You know, we're talking about wide receiver ones. There's a couple of pretty good Terps wide receivers. I would like to point out. We're also going to be talking about some rookies later on in the show. We're mostly focusing on the young guys here with this show, you know, guys in years one, two or three, there are some Terps rookies. None of them are going to be on our list. Of course, as future uh, wide receiver ones, but uh, there's some talent out there. Uh, yeah, let's jump into the show. Uh, today's show is all about finding who's got next as wide receiver ones this upcoming year. Uh, it's powered by an interesting article from Sam Reiner last year named identifying the next wide receiver ones. And he shares some interesting stats in the article that I wanted to kind of preface the show with. Um, number one, from 2012 to 2021, there were an average of more than seven different wide receiver ones in PPR formats year over year. So you can't just assume that last year's wide receiver ones will stay wide receiver ones. Also, during that same span, 34% of wide receiver ones first reached that mark in their third season. 20% do it in their second season. 16% do it all the way in their fifth season and 11% do it as rookies. To reiterate, that's over 50% of all players that become wide receiver ones at some point do so for the first time as second or third year players. And also, 
This article may be a year old at this point. It's from last year, but that gives us now the luxury to look back and see the players that Sam was right on based on this analysis. For example, last year, some of the players that he correctly speculated had wide receiver one potential, guys like CeeDee Lamb, Devonta Smith, Amon Ross St. Brown, Christian Kirk, all players that he had listed in his article. So I would encourage everyone listening to go check it out for a deeper dive sort of on the stats behind this. But we're going to be talking about potential wide receiver one breakouts. Again, we're going to go year three, then year two. Then we're going to rank the rookies as far as who we think could get there. It was a long-winded intro. I think everybody's on the same page of what we're doing here today. So we'll jump right in. And Debro, I am just going to spoil the first one that you were talking about. It is Devontae Smith, who I just mentioned. Now, he has been a wide receiver one already. He did it in year two. But he was kind of at the you know back end of that. He was wide receiver 10 last year and half PPR scoring. Uh, so I will give you a little leeway here and let you talk about why you think he could take even more another step forward. Well, I, I'm not classifying him as a wide receiver one because I go by points per game and not totals. So he was wide receiver 14 and looking at it from that perspective. So I think we could see another jump forward for Devonta Smith. If you look at what he did last year, I mean, first of all, let's get this out the way. Everybody wondered and and questioned whether Jalen Hurts could support one top option in fantasy last year, much less two or three. Uh, we have that answered emphatically last year. We saw what A.J. Brown did. Devonta Smith was a wide receiver 14 in fantasy points per game. And if you look at how this, this target tree evolved over the year, Devonta Smith played an entirely different role than he did in his rookie season and previously. He was a field stretcher prior to A.J. Brown's arrival. Last year, 42% of his targets came within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. So we're talking about a high-volume guy. And after week 11, he actually bested A.J. Brown in target share and air yard share, 30% and 37% of the target share and air yard percentage. And you had A.J. Brown sitting at 28 and 36%. Much less if we even go back and look at week 16 and 17, because I know that people are sitting out there and they're like, well, Dallas Goddard was out for part of that. So we have to shade Devonta Smith because there was no Dallas Goddard. Week 16 and 17 with Dallas Goddard and A.J. Brown there. Devonta Smith had almost a 38% target share. The talent is there, guys. A.J. Brown is the number one, but Devonta Smith could be the number two and actually outproduce him in fantasy this season. And I don't think it's crazy at all. Do you worry about the loss of Shane Steichen as offensive coordinator? Mm -mm. No, I'm not worried about that because if you're looking at the rest of this Philly coaching staff is basically just shifting around dominoes, all these guys and, and Nick Sirianni being an offensive minded head coach, he's in those, those rooms as far as coming up with play designs, the offensive structure. So if this was a team that was headed by like a defensive minded head coach, I'd have a little more pause on that. Before we get to the rest of the future stars at wide receiver, I want to ask the listeners, are you looking to dominate your dynasty league? If so, come level up your game with the fantasy pros dynasty draft kit at fantasypros.com slash dynasty. You'll get dynasty startup and rookie rankings, trade targets, position primers, and even more in-depth rookie analysis all for free. Premium subscribers can also view exclusive strategy articles and enter our Discord community, which provides direct access to analysts through AMAs and stages. Don't miss out. Visit fantasypros.com slash dynasty today and build your winning dynasty roster. And also go listen to and subscribe to Fitz on the Dynasty podcast show that we have here with Fantasy Pros. Fitz, give me your first wide receiver, third-year wide receiver that you're looking at as a wide receiver one breakout. It is Kadarius Tony. 
And um, I get pretty excited about this guy. I know there are probably some people rolling their eyes right now, but um, Kadarius Tony is a special player. And I, like, I'm not even saying he could be a special player. He is a special player right now because his movement skills are just so extraordinary in, in sort of the same way that like Barry Sanders movement skills were extraordinary. This guy just moves like few other human beings do. He's kind of a, a marvel of kinesiology and like, the way Kadarius Tony can just explode out of a stationary position like a, a coiled spring um, and, and then just stop on a dime, you know, sit in a zone, catch the ball and then just explode. And by the time the defender closes on him, like there's just a vapor trail left. And um, like the reason people should invest in Kadarius Tony, despite the risk, which I'll get to in a minute. Tony has played 445 regular season snaps in his first two years in the league, and he has drawn 77 targets. So he's drawing a target on 17.3% of his snaps. And that includes running plays. Like George Pickens had a 15.3% target share last year. That was on on forward passes uh, that Pittsburgh threw. Like Tony is getting a higher share even when you factor in the running plays that he's been on the field for. So um, he draws targets when he's on the field because he gets so open so easily. The big risk, obviously, is that he has been fragile. And in, in the two years he's been in the league, he has had hamstring, ankle, quad, shoulder, and oblique injuries. And he's been on the COVID-19 list not once but twice. So, uh, yes, keeping this dude on the field has been a bit of a challenge. But, I mean... The potential rewards are so lucrative, and if we get something close to a 17-game season from him, with Patrick Mahomes throwing in the ball and Andy Reid dialing up the plays, like I, I can only imagine if he plays 17 games, we're absolutely getting a wide receiver one season from Kadarius Tony. And look, I think the risk is kind of baked in. Like his ECR right now is wide receiver 41. His ADP in underdog best ball drafts is wide receiver 37. He's being drafted as a wide receiver four. So, I mean, there's not that much risk in taking him. And if he does get hurt and you've got him in a managed league, you can pick someone up to replace him. So, like, there is definitely room for profit here and a significant profit. I mean, like, I realize Brian Dable got sick of uh, Tony when he was with the Giants and you know, that's why they decided they were going to trade him. But then Andy Reid pointed a big beefy finger at Kadarius Tony and said, I want that guy. Like, I want this guy in my offense. Told GM uh, Brett Veach to go out and get him. And they've got him. And now I'm just excited to see what he can do in a full year in Kansas City. Because, like, they didn't really fully integrate him last year. They had some gadgety stuff drawn up for him. But, man, with a whole offseason – I can just think of how much fun Andy Reid has had drawing up plays for Kadarius Tony these last few months. That's my worry, Pat. I was going to ask you, man. That's my worry with him. Do you see him getting a full time role? And I'm just, just I, I don't. I'm not crapping on it. Okay, I just want to throw that out there. I like Tony's talent. I'm absolutely in on that. But do you see him taking a full time leap, like being the full time player? And I only ask this, man, because. Even like week 16 through 18, dude was like 30 to 32% of the snaps. I know his targets per route run are fantastic, all that kind of stuff. But do you see him being a full-time player? Because like 
How does that shake out? Like, is it, I mean, we know that uh, MBS is going to run his cardio routes. Where do, wh- who's the other th- starting three guys? Like, is it Sky Moore and Tony? Is it Rice and Tony? Like, what's their starting three, Pat? Because that's the part where I struggle with it. Yeah, I know. That's a good question, D-Bro. I mean, I, I want to say that it will be Kadarius, Tony, MVS, and then, man, maybe a competition between like Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice. Mm-hmm. Maybe Rasheed Rice just yeah. starts off as the wide receiver four because we saw how much, uh, you know, like Sky Moore, we wanted him to fire right away and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Kansas City is just a place where it's tough for rookies to take on a big role right away. But I mean, I kind of agree with you. Like, I don't think he should necessarily be a 90% snap share guy, like, you know, some of the top wide receivers are, maybe it would be a little bit better if they managed his workload, but I do think he's going to play significantly more than he played after joining the team last year. And they just kind of, you know, had certain packages for him. Um, didn't play a full complement of snaps. I think that changes this year. Have we seen, I'm trying to look back actually right now while you guys were talking uh, and just to make sure I'm not overlooking anybody. Have we seen anybody other than Travis Kelsey or Tyree kill? have anything close to a wide receiver one season in the Patrick Mahomes era? I don't think we have. Not off the top of my head. I don't think we have. No. It was was extremely concentrated to those two wide receivers. Yeah. And after that, you're looking at a bunch of schmoes, man. Like, yeah, that's my worry with Kansas City altogether. It's like, I kind of feel like they've molded this offense to be like, okay, here's Kelsey. He's our real one. And the rest of it is just like, parts and pieces and packages and matchups and stuff like that. That's, that's my fear. But to Pat's point, it's kind of priced into Tony's ADP right now, yeah. but the upside isn't. That's, that's true. Just, right. just for the record, I went through uh, all the seasons here on pro football reference and it looks like Juju last year with 933 yards, only three touchdowns is probably the best mm-hmm. individual season. Any of his receiving options have had beyond Hill and uh, and Kelsey, of course, who is the obvious wide receiver one in reality in that offense. Um, yeah, we can move on from Tony. Uh, I think that was a good discussion on him. Uh, Debro, get to your next one, who's a guy you know I'm going to be happy to hear. <laughs> All right, Worm. I know um, I'm surprised you didn't wear a Ravens jersey <laughs> and celebrate this take with me today. So despite being a little bit disappointed by that, um, I'm going to sit here and give you a, a lot of love here. First of I, all, this this is an Old Bay shirt, so it essentially is a Maryland <laughs> slash Ravens hey, shirt. <laughs> nothing against Old Bay, my man. Um, and, and nothing against Rashad Bateman. Like, I, I'm totally in on Rashad Bateman. I'm, I'm not willing to fade a guy based off of the injuries. I mean, literally, we haven't seen a fully healthy season from him. And people are like, and all the injury prognosticators out there with their crystal balls on Twitter are like, well, he can't stay healthy. <laughs> not drafting him. The talent's not a problem with Rashad Bateman. That does not even be questioned at all. Last year when we saw him on the field, and the other thing I want to point out here is even when he was out there, everybody was like, well, he's not been a full-time player. I don't think we saw a healthy version of Rashad Bateman even when he was playing last year. He only ran around on 72% of dropbacks. Like, in the context of that offense, why was he not a 100% snap player? I go back to, okay, well, he only played three games and then he was out again with the injury. I don't think he was fully healthy, but in the three-game sample we got, guys, wide receiver 34 in fantasy points per game, 18% target share, 30% air yard share. He had 3.14 yards per route run, and if you're not even familiar with that metric, that is absolutely beautiful. Like, 
we're usually out here touting guys as being electric, amazing, elite. If they're above the two mark, much less 3.1, Bateman has got the talent. And I'm not worried about a washed version of Odell Beckham Jr., who last time we saw him for the Rams, and yes, he is washed, people. I'm sorry. I like the player, but we need to sit here and call a spade a spade here. Last time we saw him on the NFL field playing for the Rams, 15% target share. He could only muster a 20% target per route run rate at 1.25 yards per route run. So you're looking at the context of this offense. Some of people are like, okay, well, even if he can stay healthy, now you have Mark Andrews. Now you got Zay Flowers. Now you got Odell Beckham Jr. All that means is that Todd Munkin is like, we're going to throw the damn ball. And Bateman is going to be the biggest beneficiary of that. Because I'm not worried about Odell Beckham fighting for targets. Zay Flowers, I love him, but he's still a rookie. So now we we whittled this down to it's Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. Sign me up. Rashad Bateman, yeah. wide receiver one season. I, I'm fully in on, on Bateman as well. The, the biggest thing is the Todd Munkin thing, right? And you're going to hear us talk about him all summer long in our excitement for the Ravens offense. The up, the biggest upgrade, basically any team made at any spot on their roster this year is the Ravens at offensive coordinator going from Greg Roman to Todd Munkin. Uh, I don't know that I agree that like Odell is fully washed, but I do think he's like going to be the third best receiver in this offense at best. I think Bateman is going to blow him out of the water. And I think by the end of the year, if not earlier in the year, Zay Flowers will be clearly higher as well. And then mm-hmm. obviously, of course, you have Mark Andrews too. Ryan, I, I, if, I just, I, Lamar's going to feast. <laughs> Ryan, if I gave you 11 and a half games as the total for how many Odell Beckham plays this year, are you betting over or under? I think it's a good line. I would probably bet the under. Under. Yeah, I'm going on. Um, I'm I, I think he'll under. be good when he's on the field, but I think I would take the yeah. under on that. I yeah, mean, I, it, he's older. He's a guy coming off of a major injury. Like, I think you kind of it's just like smart process to take the under on a line like that. But um, I think he'll be good when on the field. The one thing I will say with him, too, and I know this isn't a show about Odell. I do think Lamar has a tendency to when he's really good friends with a guy off the field, he will focus in on him on the field to a degree. It's not like he has pure tunnel vision, but he loved throwing to Hollywood and he and Hollywood were very close friends off the field. He is close with Odell. He's the one who pushed for the Ravens to add Odell. So I do worry that early on in the year, he might force feed him a little to a degree. But again, this Todd Munkin offense is going to get everybody open. It's going to spread the ball. You're going to see everybody do very well. I think Andrews is the only guy that I'm like sure is going to be like a number one at the position, but I would, I love the bet on Bateman, especially where he'd be going in drafts. I think it's a really exciting season. Let, let me ask Debro real quick before we move on. Like Debro, I totally agree. I love Bateman coming out of Minnesota. I mean, like he, I, I just didn't think he had really any holes in his game coming out of Minnesota, like inside outside versatility. And like right away when he came in, Tyler Johnson was like this star receiver. Tyler Johnson didn't fire in the NFL but he was a great college receiver. And immediately when Bateman got there as a freshman, like carved out this big role for himself. But were you at all worried that Ravens GM, uh, like the the criticism Bateman had for Ravens GM, Eric DaCosta, like when he was kind of taking shots at DaCosta in the media, like did that worry you at all about like, I know Bateman's position on the team or uh, his standing on the team and what that might mean for him going forward? I'm not worried about it in the sense that all I see is a player that's fired up and he's ready to sit here and prove people wrong. Like if that chip on Bateman's shoulder was the size of a quarter, it's the size of a damn Buick now. Like he is ready and primed to go out and be like, look, like screw all y'all, man. I'm going to prove all y'all wrong. The GM, the haters, everybody out on social, everybody saying that like, 
we don't have wide receivers. We, we spent all these first round picks on guys. I think Bateman's going to blow up and I think he's just going to rub it in everybody's face. And I'm so here for it. Yeah. And, and we'll move on here now, but just to sort of put a bow on that again, like if he's complaining about what his usage was last year, they have a new offense now and that will, Feed that, I man. think just bring so many opportunities and, and I'm really excited for his season. Uh, Fitz, I know when we were talking pre-show, um, we thought there was kind of a clear top three names for this category. Uh, you had the misfortune of having to come up with the fourth name and, and final one of our third year wide receiver one breakouts. Who did you land on? Yeah. I mean, this is a guy like I can actually make a case for though, worm. And um, yeah, like, not a guy who I necessarily think is ticketed for a wide receiver one season, but I see a plausible path and that's Elijah Moore. Um, as a rookie in 2021, he had that six game stretch from week 18 to week 13, where he had 34 catches for 459 yards and five touchdowns and was the wide receiver four in PPR fantasy scoring behind Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen and Cooper Cup. And the quarterbacks who were throwing him the ball for the Jets during that six-game stretch, uh, it was a potpourri of Zach Wilson, Mike White, Joe Flacco, and uh, Josh Johnson. So, yeah, I mean, like, it was basically uh, Jets quarterbacks doing two things during those six weeks, throwing to Elijah Moore and getting hurt. And um, last year we saw, like, it was a total disaster for Moore. Zach Wilson wasn't able to get him the ball. Moore didn't handle it well, uh, basically forced to trade, and now he's on Cleveland. And I don't know exactly what sort of target share Elijah Moore is going to have this year in an offense that also includes includes Amari Cooper, David Njoku, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to be the same quarterback he was a few years ago or if uh, you know this is the new reality that he's just not that good anymore. But I do know that Elijah Moore has already balled out and has shown us a, a pretty good stretch of wide receiver one play. And this dude just turned 23. I mean, there is still a lot of time for him to have wide receiver one production over his career. And, and hopefully he gets back on the right track after a bad 2021. Yeah. 2022, not, uh, excuse me. And, and they don't, you know, play the same role, but Cedric Tillman, another, you know, mouth to feed now in, in Cleveland, um, who was, you know, drafted by them. They didn't have many draft picks, but they used one on him. Um, I, I, we've heard from Debro in previous episodes about Deshaun Watson. So just very quickly, because I think he will really be the key determining factor in how Elijah Moore's season goes. So, so Fitz, just on Deshaun, I know you mentioned you don't know what he's going to look like. Like, projecting out right now, do you think he's going to be closer to pre-suspension Deshaun or to 2022 Deshaun? I'm cautiously optimistic that he's going to be closer to pre-suspension Deshaun. Um, like I've got, there's no way I'm putting him uh, anywhere in the top eights. Like I think there's a pretty clear top tier. It's like basically Dak or Deshaun for the next guy after the top eight. And I, as of now, I've got Dak ranked ahead of Deshaun. Um, football's a hard game, man, especially for a quarterback and everything they have to go through to just be away from the game that long, not able to practice in a team environment at all. Like, I'm not surprised he struggled. 
Before we move on to the second year breakouts, let's take a second to let everyone know that they can be the top dog this season with Fantasy Pros Best Ball Draft Kit at fantasypros.com slash best ball brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Check out our collection of rankings, strategy articles, and expert advice for free. Plus, premium subscribers get access to exclusive roster construction and draft strategy articles in the kit, along with AMAs with our analysts and more in our Discord community. Don't wait. Visit fantasypros.com slash best ball and start building your winning best ball strategy today. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're moving on to the potential second year wide receiver one breakouts here. These were the guys who were rookies last year, of course. Deeper, I'll start with you again. There are so many wide receivers I can mention in this. I love, and this is something I want to point out in this episode too. If you take nothing else away from this episode, second and third year wide receivers are awesome bets to make in fantasy. Legit awesome bets to make. Even if you like hate the guy, get exposure to him. And the first I'm going to bring up, and I don't understand why people are still not on board with him. Fitz, this is for you, baby. Christian Watson is going to crush this season. Why? Because he crushed last season. Weeks 10 through 18. Six games in that sample with 80% or more of the snaps. Christian Watson had a 23% target share. 42% end zone target share, 3.07 yards per route run. All of these numbers are fantastic. And people are so concerned about, okay, well, what about Jordan Love? And what is this offense going to look like? Okay, well, what about last year? Whenever Watson goes out, he drops a pass week one. Aaron Rodgers sticks him in the freaking doghouse. He deals with injuries upon injuries. And then finally, when we see him fully healthy and somewhat on the same page with Aaron Rodgers, then you see his talent unlocked. What about an entire offseason of him actually getting to work with his quarterback who is not mercurial and is like, I don't like rookies. Jordan Love knows where, or he should 
knows where his bread needs to be buttered, and that is with Christian Watson. Full offseason to sit there and build rapport. Say what you want about Jordan Love. I'm not expecting him to be a top-tier quarterback. I'm just asking for catchable targets. Put it in Watson's hands and let the man do work. Fitz, I gave Debra a little leeway in the last section on Devontae Smith. Uh, I'm giving you some leeway here, too. Not that Wilson has been a wide receiver one yet, but Garrett Wilson is your next pick. Kind of low-hanging fruit, right? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Ryan, this feels like starting a game of horse with a layup (laughs) off the glass from underneath the hoop. I mean, this is just so easy. Like, he he finished in wide receiver two range as a rookie with 83 catches for 1,103 yards and four touchdowns. I think we know the touchdowns are going up from there. Um, you know, like after catching passes from Zach Wilson and Mike White last year, Garrett Wilson is now going to be catching passes from Aaron Rodgers. And and maybe Rodgers is not the same guy he was five years ago, but he's still really good and, and can put the ball on the money. So this is absolutely an upgrade for Garrett Wilson. And the target competition, I, I really do think it's uh, <laughs> just kind of jags around him you know like alan lazard yes he's familiar with aaron Rodgers, but he's not a special player like he's big and tall maybe he steals a few uh end zone looks but uh you're not worried about randall cobb (laughs) Cobb? (laughs) yeah uh you know like if if we're gonna call odell beckham washed i think we probably have to uh lay out the same case that that randall cobb is probably washed too so um yeah i mean it's gonna be an all you care to eat target smorgasbord for Garrett Wilson this year and like clear path to wide receiver one. And unfortunately he's being treated like that in early drafts where, you know, you're lucky if he lasts to like the mid second round. Yeah. In looking at how the fantasy pros guys rank him, you know, Debro has Wilson as wide receiver 15 right now fits. You have him 10th, which is in line with consensus. Erickson's got him up at fifth. So Erickson is wow. extremely excited about Garrett Wilson. And quite frankly, I, I probably am closer to Erickson on that than I would be to Debro down at 15. I, I just don't see any way that Garrett Wilson, like if he stays healthy, doesn't absolutely smash this year. Um, it seems like a really obvious one. So we move on to the next player and Debro. That is another guy that went early in last year's draft. I, I I don't understand how anybody is would not be on the Chris Olave train. I I mean it is leaving the station. He is going to crush this year, and he, he falls in one of these buckets of like this second year wide receivers that I absolutely love that produced like future alphas last year. We're looking and and I I get it. I get it. He was wide receiver twenty five in fantasy points per game. A lot of go a lot goes into that as far as like quarterback play, touchdowns, things like that. You look at all the deeper metrics, Chris Olave crushed, 15th in target share, third in air yard share, 10th in yards per route run. If you look at open scores, he got open at the seventh highest rate amongst 81 qualifying wide receivers right behind Stephon Diggs. That is fantastic. And I'm not sitting here telling you that Derek Carr is going to be one of these top shelf, like top five, top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Nobody should expect that. But what I think that Derek Carr can do is instill a little bit more confidence in this coaching staff to call more pass plays than they did last year with Andy Dalton. So in that instance, I think there's going to be more volume. Michael Thomas is a question mark at best. At best, Who else is challenging him for a 25 to 27% target share? Quick answer. No one. 
Yeah, I, I think you're selling Derek Carr short a little bit. Again, not that I think he's going to be some superstar or anything in New Orleans, but he is perfectly capable enough to let an alpha wide receiver yep. be an alpha and and have a smash season. Like, there is nothing. The, the quarterback will not be the reason that Olave doesn't succeed this year if he doesn't. Agreed. And, and that's all you can really ask for. Can I hit up Debro with a follow-up question here? And, and Debro, I totally agree. I love Olave, too. Um, you know, happy to, to take him where he's being drafted, if not earlier. Mm-hmm. If Michael Thomas were to give us, say, 16 regular season games, and we know that is a monstrous if, do you think Chris Olave would still have a chance to finish as a wide receiver one? I do. I do. Because I think that if you look at what Michael Thomas did in the very small sample that we got last year, his numbers were very wide receiver three-ish. Like his yards per route run was hovering in the 1.6 to 1.7 range. His target share, all these different parts or pieces – He lived off of touchdowns, and that's what really helped him. I think if you're looking at Michael Thomas in this offense, and I I project the offense, like right now on my my rankings that are live, like I have Chris Olave, let me see, right now at wide receiver 12 in my rankings, and that is projecting a healthy Michael Thomas because I think this version of Michael Thomas, he's a wide receiver three. If anything, this opens up the offense and allows Olave to not only work underneath, but take off the top of defenses, which we saw last year. So Michael Thomas, to me, only helps Olave. Fitz, give me your next receiver here. Uh, it's Traylon Burks. And um, we we did not get to see as much of Traylon Burks in his rookie year as we would have liked. He played 11 regular season games and only 393 snaps. Had some interesting flashes, but the sample size was really too small to draw definitive conclusions. But we do know that Traylon Burks was a big producer in his last two years at Arkansas. Uh, he, that he's six, two and 224 pounds and really hard to tackle when he has the ball in his hands and that the Titans spent mid first round draft capital on him. So what's really attractive here is the target outlook. And I, I try not to get too worked up about what sort of opportunities a player might have because of what his team's depth chart looks like. Like I, I like to, <laughs> I prefer to go by talent and not depth charts when I'm evaluating players. But it's really hard to deny the sort of target potential that Traylon Burks has for the Titans this year when his target competition is Nick Westbrook-Akine, Kyle Phillips, and Chigo Conquo. I mean, it's not hard to imagine Traylon Burks getting 140 or more targets if he can stay healthy for a full season. Woof. How many times do I have to reiterate that there will be no Chig Conquo slander when I am hosting this show? Oh, I, and I love Chig, man. I mean, like slander <laughs> worm. He's just he's, saying the rest of them are. He's saying he's nobody. He's, he's the number two Kyle target Phillips. in this he's offense, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he probably is the number two, but even I just that's not even that threatening of a number two, though. Yeah, no, no, no. It's fair. I'm just I got to defend my guy. Uh, Debra, give me your next player. And, and in this case, another guy who went in the first round last year. Oh man. It, people got, are, are probably sick of hearing me talk about him, but Drake London's talent skill set is he's freaking awesome, man. He's absolutely awesome at everything. And I, I get, he did not pop for us in fantasy last year, but if you look at all the other numbers about him, he's top 15 in PFF receiving grade yards per route run. He got open at the 16th highest rate in the NFL last year. And even if, and I know people are going to bring up, well, I know Derek's probably going to talk about what he did down the stretch. And yeah, I've mentioned that a few times in the show, but, and people, they love to push back and say, well, that was without Kyle Pitts. Okay. Without Kyle Pitts. 
Okay, well, let's look at what he did with Kyle Pitts on the field. Weeks 1 through 10, in the games where Kyle Pitts played 57% or more of the snaps, London had a higher target share, 28% to 26%, had a higher end zone target share, and he bested him in yards per route run. So bring me your Kyle Pitts. I'll take your Kyle Pitts. And I'm still going to tell you that Drake London is the wide receiver one in this offense, and he has the talent to blow up this year. Yes, I know Desmond Mitter is not great. I don't care. I need volume. Give the man volume. And he was 22nd, 22nd in raw target volume last year. So it's not like he got 80 targets. The volume ticks up just a little bit. He's going to crush. I'm not doubting the talent, obviously. But you cannot have a conversation about the Falcons without asking. You already touched on Ritter. But you have to also mention Bijan and the fact that they just took a running back in the top eight who's generational talent. It's a head coach that you know loves to use a really good, talented running back and run him into the ground. So even if Drake London is getting a decent target share in the offense, will there be enough volume, even with Ritter now instead of Mariota, for London to actually be a wide receiver one? Not that he can't be a really good contributor and maybe even a borderline league winner for your team, but can he be an actual wide receiver one? I think he can. And Bijan, that, that's where a lot of this comes down. Like, how much of a target share does he get? Because you talked about it, Worm, like, Derrick Henry was not drawing targets. And I'm not saying Bijan is Derrick Henry, obviously. Bijan is a pass game weapon. He could be utilized in that. I think really where this comes down is, what is Desmond Ritter going to do? Is Desmond Ritter going to check down to Bijan? Or is he going to try to take off and run and get an easy three to five yards that way? It's still not a part of of Ritter's game that we've seen really utilized. I think that could take a step forward. And so you won't see as many dump-off targets to Bijan as you will short-area targets to Drake London. Pat, your last second-year breakout? It's Jahan Dotson. And he only played 12 games as a rookie, but he scored seven touchdowns and had five weeks as a top-20 scorer at the wide receiver position. I mean, he's fast. He's a good route runner. He's really good after the catch. And for a smaller receiver, he is surprisingly good in contested catch situations. He's got that Tyreek Hill, my ball mentality on balls in the air. And yes, Terry McLaurin is there too. And he's really good in his own right. And Sam Howell, they're going to be breaking in a quarterback. And, uh, you know, we we don't know what that's going to look like. So the the ecosystem might not allow for a wide receiver one season for Jahan Dotson just yet, but I'm excited about his career trajectory. I do think they're going to be wide receiver one seasons in his future. And you never know if it might happen sooner than we expect, uh, you know, injuries happen. Maybe some other wide receivers on Washington get hurt. Maybe Sam Howell's a lot better than most of us are anticipating. Uh, but I'm very excited about Jahan Dotson and happy to bet on the talent. Pat, I love the call on Dotson, man. I, I was I was out on him earlier in the offseason. And after I went back and I looked back what he did down the stretch, I'm definitely I am I'm I'm in on him this year. I mean, you're looking at weeks 13 through 18. He was 20th in target share, third in end zone target share, and 17th in weighted opportunity, as well as saying he was top 15 in yards per route run. I think that over versus like his full season numbers is a much clearer picture of what his upside could be. So I, I, I love the call of Dotson. I was just going to say, it seems like the markets have been really slow to warm to Jahan Dotson. Like it doesn't seem to be happening this year. And last year, I mean, people were drafting sky Moore ahead of him, even though 
Dotson was a mid first round pick and Sky Moore was like a mid second round pick. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's notable that there were seven receivers taken in the top 34 picks of the 2022 draft. We talked about six of them. The one that we didn't talk about, I just want to quickly ask Jameson Williams, obviously he's not going to be a wide receiver one on the season, given the suspension. If the suspension wasn't in place, would either of you have considered him for this spot? Yeah, I would have, I would have definitely considered him. I mean, we saw what Detroit did last year. I think their pass rate goes up. We know all the other parts or pieces are there. I I, I would definitely put JMO in this bucket. Fitz. Yeah, create like the talent is uh, he's on par with Devontae Smith in terms of talent. And and some people, mm-hmm. you know, from the Alabama That's program would argue that he's more talented. So he would have merited consideration without question. All right, let's get to our rookie potential wide receiver one breakout rankings. We don't have a ton of time, so I'll provide the rankings for you guys. And then I want to focus on where you guys differ. So Debro's top five in order from one to five. Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, and Rashi Rice. Pats is Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston, and Jaden Reed. So we actually have a lot of differences here. And Debra, I want to start at the top because you have JSN, even though he's in a situation where he is at least entering the year wide receiver three on the depth chart. Fitz, you've got him down at three. Debra, what's the difference there? What are you seeing that Fitz isn't? I think that he's going to be a full-time player. I'm not buying all this BS out of Pete Carroll. They're like, oh, we're going to we're gonna run all this 12 personnel and stuff like that. What do you think Pete's going to tell the media? If you're going to go out there and run 11 personnel 99% of the time, are you going to say, yep, tight ends are going to get marginalized? No, I'm, I'm all in on JSN. Pete does love his two tight end sets, though, D-Bro. He's got to get Will Disley on the field, man. Pete also likes talent. Chris Carson should have showed us something. Talent wins out, and JSN has the talent to be a full-time starter. The other guy that Debro is higher on is Quentin Johnson. He's got him at two. Fitz has got him down at four. So, Fitz, what are you not seeing with Johnson that Debro is? Yeah, just the uh, target ambiguity if we get something close to full seasons of good health for both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Like, I, I just don't know if he gets to, like, 100 targets. I thought you were the QJ's fan. Why are you burying him? I thought you loved him so much. Like, I remember drunken conversations about your <laughs> love for QJ, and now I'm defending the man. What, what happened? I know. I'm just, uh, like, I'm a little concerned about what the year one target outlook is like for QJ. That's it. I, I do believe in the talent, but I just wonder if, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are both healthy all year, if he can get to 100 targets. I don't know that he can. The other two guys that were taken in the first round of the draft, uh, Fitz is higher on. Fitz has Addison at one. Debra, you've got him down at three. So Fitz, make the case for Addison as the rookie with the best chance of finishing as a wide receiver one this year. I think Justin Jefferson is going to make life really easy for Jordan Addison and that he's going to get coverage from a lot of inferior cornerbacks. And we've kind of seen these big seasons from the complimentary receiver in Minnesota when it was Adam Thielen. A lot of it was touchdown fueled. And I don't know if Addison gets quite the same attention in the, uh, you know, close to the goal line, the red zone and the green zone that Thielen got since he's a smaller receiver. But man, a lot of it would just be like Thielen lines up in the slot, depending on where the, the cornerback is lined up, either as inside or outside leverage. Cousins finds him right away. And I could see Jordan Addison scoring half a dozen touchdowns on plays like that. So, you know, I think it would have to be very heavily touchdown fueled, but I, I think there's a path for Addison and like I'm not really 
I don't, if I had to put a bet down, I'm, I'm thinking no rookie wide receiver gets to tight end wide receiver one range this year. But if I was going to put a bet down on any one receiver to do it in his rookie year this year, I think it would be Addison. He's got the clearance. Just, just to note, uh, there have been five of them in the last 11 seasons, five rookies that have been wide receiver ones in the past 11 seasons. Better wide receiver classes probably than this one, though. Four of the five were first round picks. The fifth was a second. Uh, and then the other guy that you guys differ on, Zay Flowers. Fitz, you have him up at second. Debra, you have him down at fourth. But Debra, I'm curious about that because I know that you really liked Zay during the pre-draft process. I mean, I, I think that Zay has the talent. But again, I talked about it earlier in this uh, show. I think it's Rashad Bateman season, man. I think that he has the talent and the opportunity and the rapport with Lamar that if we're looking for one guy to step up in that offense opposite Mark Andrews, I think it's Bateman. And as I mentioned, you guys each have two different players in the fifth spot. Obviously, you have the four first-rounders as your first four, mm -hmm. just in very different orders. Debro, you've got Rashi Rice. Pat, you've got Jaden Reed. So kind of go head-to-head -head here. Make the case for your guy over the other in that fifth spot. Go ahead, Pat. Beauty before age. Go ahead, Pat. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, there's just so little pass catching uh, depth on the, the Green Bay depth chart. Like, it's – and, man, what a ridiculously young pass catching group with basically uh, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, and uh, Jaden Reed at wide receiver, and then the two rookie tight ends they drafted this year. So that's that's pretty much it. And Reed had 56 catches for 797 yards and eight touchdowns as an 18-year-old freshman at Michigan State playing against Big Ten competition. So uh, this guy's really quick and really explosive. And, you know, with just so little target competition, he's going to get on the field. And, you know, if he can uh, absorb things quickly, like I think he has a chance to be a year one contributor. Debro, your rebuttal. I mean, this this begins and ends with Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, that's that's what people are expecting me to say. But really, this comes down to Rasheed Rice. Worm, you talked about Juju being the closest thing that we've seen to amassing, stepping up next to Kelsey. I think Rasheed Rice was drafted to be Juju's replacement in the sense that I think that he, if you look at his career at SMU, last year, all outside. The year before that, slot player. And he excels. The guy has been top five, top ten and yards per route run against zone coverage, I think that he has a path to take over that Juju role and be a full-time player from day one. And again, if we're going to make a bet for a wide receiver one to come out of a class, I'm betting on not only that player, but I'm betting on the offensive system and that environment and the touchdown expectations that are tied to it. So, hell yeah, I'm going to bet on Kansas City. Let's go. Debro. Andy, Andy Reid laid down a bear trap for you that took the form of Skylar Moore. You walked right into it. The, the trap mangled your leg, and now you're ready to walk right into the same I'm bear trap under a different along, name. Pat. I got one leg, baby. I got one leg left, and if I got to hop into this, I'm going to hop. Don't care. Uh, I am excited to go back a year from now and look and see who was right because we, we threw out a lot of names, and I think there's a lot of potential here with the guys we threw out. That is going to wrap it up for us today. Great show as always. Please, everybody, remember to check out our Dynasty Draft Kit and our Best Ball Draft Kit, which is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. For Fitz and Debro, I am Ryan Wormley. We'll see you guys again soon. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros.
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.